Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. We knew coming into it, we were in a good place. Wanted to put on a good performance to finish what's been a good campaign for us. And we managed to do that in front of another fantastic Hamden crowd. So good night for everybody. I think the crowd enjoyed it, which is, which is an important thing. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Hosted by Rob McLean, Stephen Cregan and Marvin Bartley. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! What a night, what a team, what a squad, what a manager. Stevie Clark and Scotland hit a new high at Hamden last night. Yes, sir, we can be seeded for the World Cup playoff semi-final in March and we will be in the draw in 10 days' time. Scotland beat 10th in the world. Denmark last night. Am I sending excited enough? And it was 2-0 going on. One or two more, Stephen Cregan. What did you think? Well, you have to say it's probably the most complete performance under Steve Clark. There was a little bit of criticism in the summer at the Euros about his team not being expansive enough, him not sending them out to go and attack games. Well, they certainly turned that around last night. The complete performance, the pace, the tempo, the energy, the creativity, uh, creativity everything about it had Scotland fans and people throughout the UK absolutely excited about it. How did England go on against San Marino <laughs> I think it was 10 0. Did, did they just, scrape it? Yeah, he just saying to me that I could have maybe scored in that game, but I'm not sure they were that bad. <laughs> Don't get too carried away. Uh, Livingston back in action. Your team on uh, Saturday in Paisley after uh, clambering away from the bottom of the Premiership after a few pretty good results. Uh, Celtic against St Johnson on Saturday as well. First of the League Cup semi finals. Rangers against Hibs on Sunday. That's a four o'clock kickoff. And that one's only five days away when you think still no announcement about a new Rangers manager to succeed Steven Gerrard. Lots of talk about a short list and a long list. Uh, but is it a shoo-in, do you think, Marv, for Giovanni van Bronckhorst? It seems that way. If you're a betting man, I mean, you know, the odds are firmly stacked on him getting getting the job. You know, I was actually surprised that it wasn't done uh, yesterday. I thought they'd want to get somebody in. Obviously, your players come back from international duty, but the boys who haven't been away also, you know, being out there training, I thought they would want to get that done. But it seems it's going to be Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, and you know, I'm sure do very, very well. He's a big name. At the moment, it's David McCallum, Brian Gilmore, Jermaine Defoe and Colin Stewart, uh, the coaching team, heading for a League Cup semi-final. Crags, how important that that is sorted out in the next couple of days? Well, it is because we've been on this show now for, what, 18 months, 19 months, and we've continually spoken about Rangers disappointment in domestic cup competitions you know what that they want to uh, start adding more silverware to the trophy cabinet I think the last trophy they won of the last domestic cup they won was 2011 which was the league cup so that's far too long for a club of Rangers size so they can't afford to let this opportunity slip you know they did have an advantage over Hibs because Hibs had uh, Covid issues they hadn't played for two weeks but they have now got themselves back fit ha- I think they have a game or they have certainly had a game today 
So Rangers, with this mishmash going on and, and, and uncertainty around, it may just even things up a little bit. So this is a huge game come this weekend. They've got a few big games coming up, of course, with European games and league games between now and Christmas. So it's certainly they need someone in charge. Just for the players. The players like a little bit of direction. They like to know who the leader is, who they follow. Of course, the coaching team who are in charge just now will be fine. They're putting on general sessions, but they want a little bit of direction. There will be a little edge to their training when a new manager comes in, thinking, I want to impress, I want to get into the team. So... I think the sooner it's done, the better. Of course, they want to get the right guy in charge, but you know, I think the closer it comes to Sunday, the more important it is to have a man in charge. The Go Radio Football Show, Stephen Cragen, uh, Marvin Bartley and Rob McLean with the Taxi Centre. Get yourself involved as well. Join us in the football discussion. 0808 17 17 700. Text Go in your message to 874 74 on the socials. It is at Go Football Show 24 hours ago. What a night at Hamden. Uh, it was uh, a special evening as Denmark were dispatched. 10th team in the world. 27 points out of 27 going into that game last night. 2-0 uh, going on one or two more, I reckon. Yes, Denmark will, were a little bit weakened. Scotland had a few missing as well, but it was all pretty conclusive in the end. And what a story for John Souter. Um, after three years of a gap, uh, between that cap and the one before three Achilles operations an absolute injury nightmare back he came with the opening goal part of the Scotland team that beat Denmark 2-0 it's absolutely incredible I mean the atmosphere just now is, is unbelievable and for me to be involved in a game like that is, it, I can't put it into words just now. I was just looking forward to it to be honest like I, I went through a lot in the last year and yeah I, just, I was looking forward to it and I couldn't expect anything like this to be honest and uh, yeah it was brilliant yeah he was screaming to make himself heard uh, last night because uh, the partying went on for some considerable time after the, the final whistle and here he was talking Talking about that goal. It was a total blur. It was a, we worked on that corner during the weekend. Yeah, thankfully we scored from it. And it was just a blur for me. Just delighted. delighted. This is the moment. It's, it's incredible. I mean, uh, the whole of rehab and, and everything. This, this makes it all worth it. And my brother Aaron, he's at home. He couldn't make it tonight, but um, that was for him because uh, he helped me a lot during my rehab. And I know he's watching tonight, so uh, that was for him. Must have gone through some really dark days, uh, John Souter. Uh, when he wondered if he would be able to play again and what level he would manage to hit Marv. So to come back into the Scotland squad, into the Scotland team, and he gets that goal, it was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. As he said, you know, with those sorts of injuries, he'd always be thinking, am I going to come back? And I think he was told a couple of times that he could be struggling to. So to even have the mental strength to get through that and then play at an elite level, you know, for Hearts is one thing. But to go on and do what he's done, he's been brilliant for Hearts all season. You know, now getting into to the national team and scoring that goal, you know, honestly, I was absolutely delighted for him. I really, really was because, as he's saying there, you know, going through the rehab and everything else and having his brother around him made it a bit easier. But he'd had some really dark days during that, and it just shows that you know, if you put everything into it, you can come back to the level he has, and that's a top, top level. And you know, Austin McPhee's going to get a pay rise as well. He said they've been working <laughs> on that set piece. So, no, it's brilliant to see it hit the back of the net. I was, I was honestly delighted for him and uh, his celebration could do a bit of working on, but he will let him off with that one. Yeah, it's been a while probably. Um, but uh, let's hear from Jordan, uh, who was at the game last night. Jordan, hi. Hey, guys, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. How was it for you? Unfortunately, actually, my, my ticket fell through at the last minute, so I ended up watching it with my old ah. man, but I didn't take away for the experience at all. Uh, uh, it was unreal. I was just saying to your producer there, I, I'm in my, my early 30s, so I can only remember brief parts of World Cup 98. So my relationship with the Scotland team has been depressing for the most part. So <laughs> <laughs> it 
It was just, it's just these last few years, even the Euros didn't go its way, but it's just been amazing to see like get everyone getting behind the team again and them actually playing like they've got a team behind them. Do you know what I mean? You've, you've got belief in every part of the, the squad at the minute, and especially the manager. It's Scotland, it's the first time Scotland Crags have won six games on the bounce since 1930. Yeah, and you think back just under three years ago, Kazakhstan away, probably as low as it's been for the national team in a number of years. The disappointment, the fallout from the fans, the disconnect probably between the association and the supporters. I wouldn't say there was no love for their team. Of course, people love their country, but they just thought there was something lacking. And to be where they are now, being to a major tournament, on the brink of possibly going to another one, the turnaround has been absolutely sensational. And, you know, you've got to say Steve Clark has grown and learned as a manager as well. You know, I touched on it at the top of the programme that in the Euros in the summer, probably a little bit reserved, whether he didn't trust his players or whether his players didn't believe in themselves enough to really go and attack the games in Hamden. But the turnaround has been excellent. And of course, even in this group, you know, two points after two games, you know, after what uh, the Denmark game and, and, and match day four, they had five points. And you think to yourself, this is, this is going to take some turnaround in results. So to go and win six games on the bounce at international football, Rob, you said since the 30s, that tells you how difficult it is. Mm. And Scotland have had some brilliant teams down the year, some really good teams with really good players. And this squad is something special. You look at the talent that they have, and you just think they're getting every single ounce out of them. The connection between the supporters and the players, the love from Steve Clark, which we don't get publicly very often towards his players, and just everything is coming at the right time. And this is a squad that's still got a lot of potential. This is a squad that could be together for the next four, five, six years. So there's an awful lot more to come from them. But the way they've played, the way they've attacked games, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, Jordan, I felt I felt really fortunate and privileged to be there last night to to witness it, and I I, tell, I could have stood there all night to be honest, as the as the music was pumping out at the end and the and the players were doing their their lap of honour, and there just seems to be this incredible connection at the moment between what's happening on the pitch and what's happening off it. I I think you've just got to look to the fans and the. They're the reacting because the, the players, are like like I said, we've had some great teams down the years, but it's just there's always seems to have been something missing. Whether it's just the, the coaching staff and the players didn't quite get the system, but it all seems to be coming together, like you said, at the perfect time now. And the fans are always behind it. Like if you look, there was a, a documentary just put up the other day, and it was just about Scotland's story and their Euros, and it sort of went through the last twenty plus years where we didn't qualify, and it never stopped people going to the games. You know what I mean? There was always that that want. To, be, to have that national pride again and the fact that it's now something that we can do and we can enjoy and like you said the, the atmosphere I was like you said just watching it from home you could see it was absolutely amazing you know, I mean, my old man jumping up and down in the middle of the living room <laughs> do you know what I mean and that's what it's all about mm, I remember yeah. watching um, the qualification last year during lockdown and it was do you know what I mean it was amazing so it's, to actually feel that with the national team again is something unbelievable Marv we were just saying off air that, that a couple of weeks ago if you'd said Hanley McTominay and Dykes, you would have had three certain starters for Scotland in your in your in your first choice team. Yeah. At the moment, they'd struggle to get in. Well, that shows the strength and depth within the national pool now, and that's probably one thing that you spoke about Scotland having really good teams in the past. But I think the actual depth they have within there, you know, John Souter coming in as a late replacement. Obviously, Ryan Portress came in as well. But these sorts of players aren't even in the original squads. Aaron Hickey's another one who's doing really well mm. over in Italy that can be added to the group as well. So it's going from strength to strength. And you know, Jordan spoke about you know the fans. Um, having almost that, that relationship now with the team. Winning does that. You know, when you're winning games of football, the fans are, are all there for you. And this will last a long, long time now. You know, they've won six games in a row. So no matter what happens from here on out, you know, the fans are going to be absolutely delighted and proud of these group of players. You know, they're so close, two games away from going to a World Cup after just being to the European Championships. 
honestly, it's the stuff dreams are made of. Well, Stephen O'Donnell with us um, after the news at six, Craigs. Um, remarkable performance from him. I mean, when was his last game for Motherwell? Well, I think it was the Rangers game a few weeks ago, wasn't yeah. it? Where he got himself sent off later on in the game. But that just shows, you know, international football sometimes, and I probably had it in my career that uh, you know, probably some of my best performances were from a country. For some reason, you're managed to lift your level. You take yourself to places you never knew we can get to. It's difficult to maintain that for some reason, you know, maybe just through ability or whatever it may be, but you, you, you can't maintain it. And Stephen O'Donnell, when he puts on the Scotland jersey, becomes a completely different player. His performances for Scotland this, you know, over the last year have been way beyond anything he's done for Motherwell. You know, his performance level at Motherwell has dipped at times and he's made mistakes and he's been caught out in certain situations, but it shows his mental strength that when he comes in in a big game and he knows Nathan Patterson's been ahead of him, but when he gets his opportunity, he's taking it again. So, you know, his Scotland career has probably been continually proving people wrong. And if that's his motivation, I found that was my motivation a lot of time in my career, where it just gives you that edge to prove people you can still play, to show what you can do. And it just adds to the team. You know, you've Nathan Patterson, Tony Ralston, uh, Stephen O'Donnell, three right-backs. For years, Scotland didn't have any right-backs. So we're mm. trying to fit people in. Kieran Tierney was playing right-back. So suddenly now you've got three for that position. You think, well, you can probably play either one or either, you know, one of the three. And you'd be happy and you get a good, solid, yep. strong performance. So that's where the squad has come to. Marv touched on even centre halves. I mean, for years Scotland thought, you know, centre half, what's a partnership? We've now got seven or eight players who yeah. can play in yeah. there. Yeah. You and, know, the, and, and the likes of Declan Gallagher, who got injured, who, will now struggle to get back in. Exactly, he's not even close. But that again is up to John Sutter taking his opportunity. Yeah. No, I, t I totally agree. Totally agree. And again, you know, with Stephen O'Donnell, mental strength has been a massive thing because even the first game in the Euros and the fans are calling yeah. for him to, you know, be out of the team. For him to, you know, see these things and he's touched on it again when he played the next game and he did really really well saying I do read these things you know players see these things mm. but again you know Nathan Patterson's gone ahead of him a wonderful talent a wonderful player he's missed you know last night's game and Stephen McDonald's came in again and, and been absolutely fantastic and I know to fans they might think oh that's his job but that's not easy you know doing that knowing that you're second choice knowing that you know a lot of fans probably don't even want you there knowing that when you they see your team uh, sorry your name on the team sheet probably thinking oh why is he playing again to go out there and put in a performance that he did Honestly, it's out of this world. And again, it shows just how much you know, that they are as a team. Because there are other boys will be saying to him, listen, you can do this. And he's gone out there and proven again, you know, that he can do it and he can play at that top level. Jordan, it's four months away, isn't it? It's going to be a long time awaiting. Uh, although not so long to wait for the draw to find out who we're going to play in that semi-final uh, of the playoffs at uh, Hamden. Um, November 26 for the draw. Just looking at, uh, I mean, it, it says something about where Scotland have risen to at the moment, doesn't it? When you look at the list of semi-finalists in the playoffs who have a home game, so which means they're seeded, and it's uh, Portugal, Russia, Italy and Scotland. <laughs> Th those are the four <laughs> that are confirmed at the moment. I mean, it's just an incredible rise up the rankings, isn't it? It's, it's unreal. There was... There was the, like you said at the start, there was a, it was the chances we didn't take. There was the one that she Adams missed when it was him and Andy Robertson on the counter attack, and that started say, just outside the Scotland's 18-yard box. Mm. Some beautiful one-touch football, and we're on the break. So it's not even the point nowadays where we used to think, oh well, maybe we'll sneak a goal here. I genuinely believe that at a packed hand in Scotland, if it's if it's on the line, then they could definitely put in a performance, regardless of who we're against. But we definitely deserve to be up there with all those teams, I think. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of world-class blocks, weren't there, from Simon Kerr. Uh, there was a great save with his left boot from Casper from Schmeichel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there could have been more goals in the game, Marv, for Scotland. No, definitely. There's a lot of good last-ditch tackles. And again, that just shows about the performance, you know, and, and the way that Scotland played. And Jordan said it there with... 
you know, Scotland, when they were on the ball, they really controlled where it was going. It wasn't they were going direct and feeding off second balls. You know, Billy Gilmore, uh, Callum McGregor coming deep to get on the ball. And then you've got, you know, the next two up, Ryan Christie and John McGinn. And then you've got uh, Che Adams at the top end. It, it was fantastic. Some of the situations they've got out of, you thought they're going to lose the ball here. And they'll do one or two touch passes, then go out to the other side. It was absolutely brilliant. And again, it's just they're growing in confidence. And you do wish that, you know, the playoff games were coming up in a couple of weeks' time just so they can, you know, feed off this momentum. But you know, I'm sure they'll be full of confidence going into it, you know, next year. Just listening to Stevie Clark after the game and his media conference and uh, taking all the plaudits, but very quickly pointing out as well that Scotland had managed to avoid toppling off the disciplinary tightrope. And no yellow cards. Everybody was fixated on. Now we knew coming into it, we were in a good place. We wanted to put on a good performance to finish what's been a good campaign for us. Uh, and we managed to do that in front of another fantastic Hamden crowd. So good night for everybody. Really impressive, Jordan, uh, from Stevie Clark in all sorts of ways. Uh, and just what he's done, the, the ev- he talks about the evolution of the team, of the of the players. He, he's very quiet. He doesn't scream from the rooftops at all. Not his style. Uh, but what a job he's doing! Unbelievably, you just just the general attitude about the camp. You can see it in the way you're playing. Marvin said it there as well. That defensively, I thought we looked fantastic last night. There was a couple of situations where you think, well, is this going to be typical Scotland? And then they managed it all. And then as well as that, Craig Gordon, although the the big guy was offside. You had an absolutely mm-hmm. world-class yeah. save. Do you know what I mean? And if, if something goes wrong and that gets given, then the heads go down. But he absolutely just covered it. And it, I don't, I can't really remember any other major chances of Denmark. So it just shows that even though they were missing players, they're still 10th ranked in the world. So it was an unbelievable performance. Like, there was not one player on the pitch that, that didn't have passed my or was unbelievable. I thought John McGinn was absolutely sensational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you say, Shea Adams ran himself into the ground. So the, the fact that these guys are in the squad now makes so much difference. So just wonderful. And then Steve Clark as well was just, he's done an unbelievable job. You know, he's taken some criticism through it and he's taken time to get his right core group of players. And we can see it's paying off now. Do you know what I mean, anyone that slagged them off probably deserves a, gives, needs to give them an apology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, and the Danes were taken aback. I mean, I, I was, when I was commentating last night, I was alongside the, the Danish TV commentary team. Brian Loudrup was, was the, doing the co coms for them. And, and even with a weakened team, they, they had some key people missing. They were, they were shocked by what they saw, I think, Marv, last night. Not not just not just that they lost, but I think the quality of the Scottish performance. Yeah, exactly. And I know they had players missing. Um, you know, Denmark going into this game knew they had already qualified. So the boys coming into the team, you know, it was their first caps or, you know, one of their first couple of caps. So they want to go out there and impress. You know, they've got a chance in the team now as well. And they're thinking, right, this is my massive chance to go out there and impress. We can win, you know, whatever it was, uh, get to 30 points. And this has been a fantastic achievement. And so those boys were going out there and they were probably trying even harder than the players that they would have replaced because the players they would have replaced knew that they you know, going to be in the next squad, for example, when they go to the World Cup. So I think, you know, again, it, you have to give Scotland a pat on the back because the way they played against this team, and like you said, the Danish manager came out and said he couldn't believe how well Scotland had played. He said, you know, Steve Clark has taken his team from one step to another and I really hope they join us at the World Cup because he was impressed with them. But you've got some world-class players within that squad now. You know, don't say that lightly. Andy mm. Robertson, Kieran Tierney are world-class left-backs. John McGinn is going from strength to strength. Who knows how good he can go on to be? Honestly, because you've seen him at St. Mirren, then Hibbs, and now at Aston Villa. He's just getting better each season. And I thought yesterday, you know, he was man of the match. It was difficult to pick one. But, you know, some of the stuff he was doing really was world-class. The most famous backside in the football world. <laughs> the I strongest think, one. Currently, <laughs> currently belongs to John McGinn. Jordan, good to have you on the show. And we'll hear from Thanks, you soon. Guys. Cheers, Jordan. Cheers, thank Cheers, you. Mate. All the best. And coming up after the break, we're going to be speaking to someone who knows Stevie Clark very well. And I saw him skipping down the pavement from Hampden on his way out last night. He was doing the commentary on the radio. Pat Nevin up next. 
the Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com. Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go. Good to hear from Jordan there in his old man jumping up and down in front of the telly last night. Uh, lots of you similar and uh, if you were one of the lucky ones and you were at Hamden, give us a call and... Uh, Tell us about the experience. It was quite a knife. That feel-good factor is going well. Scotland in the playoffs, seeded home game at Hamden in March. We'll find out in 10 days' time who that is going to be against. As I was saying, the 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 teams who are guaranteed a home game, apart from Scotland in those playoff semi-finals, Portugal, Russia and Italy. At the moment, Sweden and Poland are the other two teams in position to have home games in terms of who the opposition could be. Well, the only two confirmed at the moment uh, to be away in those semi-finals, so potential opponents for Scotland, North Macedonia and Austria. So I don't think, Marv, we'd be complaining about either of those two uh, as opponents in March. No, definitely not. You know, when you look at the, the seeded teams, you wouldn't mind taking on any of the unseeded teams. Although North Macedonia are actually quite decent in the, in the Euros. I remember watching them and being relatively impressed. But mm. I think They won was... in Germany recently. Yeah. They've been to Germany and won. Yeah. First, I think Germany's first home defeat in a World Cup qualifier, maybe ever. Yeah. So yeah, not bad. Don't be getting too far away, Rob. <laughs> don't, don't, don't bring me down from this, emotion, <laughs> this emotional high, for goodness sake. Um, let's hear from Stevie Clark. Cheer me up again uh, on the back of the game last night. Uh, and here he is talking about uh, that favourite word of his, evolution. The evolution of the team is good. We've tweaked the system slightly against Moldova. It worked well for us. We, we decided to go the same again. I thought the Danes were brave. They left three up against our back three. We left three up against their back three. It was an open game. Credit to the referee because he made it an open game or he allowed it to be an open game. And we played some good stuff. Like you say, when we got our foot on the ball, I thought we dominated the midfield areas with the, with the four players that we used in there uh, in the midfield. Created some chances, played some great football. Uh, I think the crowd enjoyed it, which is, which is an important thing. Rob McLean, Stephen Craig and Marvin Bartley. And uh, at the very mention of evolution, seems like a good time to talk to Pat Nevin as well. Hi, Pat. <laughs> I'm a long way back in that. Uh, um, I, I watched you, uh, um, I was in my car leaving at the time, I watched you skipping along the pavements outside uh, Hamden, heading to your uh, luxury vehicle in Mount Florida last <laughs> night. How, how, how was the whole experience for you? Oh, God. You, you couldn't go to that game of football and come out anything other than buzzing because the football was quality. I think Clarkie's um, playing it down a wee bit there about you know how well the team played. I mean, I thought it was pretty astonishing, one of the best, you know, certainly one of the best the last 20 or 30 years, you know, that I've seen the Scotland team play, I thought they were fabulous. Um, but you couldn't come out doing anything other than excited and hyper because the fans adding to what the team were doing and what it meant to get this home draw in that round, it was just phenomenal. And considering, I'm sure you were there for the, the 3-2 against Israel, mm. I mean, the buzz after that one was incredible, but we're now getting used to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's never happened before. But I think it's, it's more than anything else, it just feels like a progression. You know, it's every time that you're thinking, I'm actually not expecting this to go wrong now. And yeah. when's the last time we felt like that about Scotland? Because there's just so much quality there. And uh, looking at the, you know, the great line one of my friends said to me today, he said, uh, the players that play at that top level, they played at that level. But the other ones joined them. And they did, didn't they? Yeah. Everyone was minimum 8 out of 10. Absolute minimum 8 out of 10. It was a magnificent night. And probably 10 out of 10 for Stevie Clark. It was a, it was a tactical masterclass part, wasn't 
Yeah, I was thinking, you know, certainly as the game was developing, and I thought the second half, I thought the first half, honestly, that was my favourite 45 for a long time for Scotland. I mean, right up there with nearly doing England a couple of times. But, you know, looking at the second half, thinking, well, can we keep that going? And it was much more studied than the start of the second half. And you must have known those players are going to need a rest at some point as the game, you know, wore on. Uh, and that was definitely the case because, you know, they began to sort of fall like nine, nine pins you know, near the end of the game. But what was, you know, what was brilliant about it? I thought, oh, what we're going to do, we've got maybe a Donald piece things up. Who would, oh, actually, we're going to be fine because we've got Ralston. And that's her third choice right throwback. <laughs> and then you have to stick the team down the left wing back when Robertson goes off and you're thinking, and then you realise, actually, no, it's fine. We've got plenty to bring on there. And everywhere you look in the pitch, you're thinking, no, it's all right. It's, 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 actually, even Craig Gordon, who was just fantastic again, I just get a feeling when the big man hangs up the gloves, which hopefully is a good few years away, you're looking at Xander Clark coming through and you're thinking, yeah, that'll be all right. There's so many positives at the moment, not just in the team, but what's coming through. Che Adams um, is looking uh, just a better and better player with each passing game. I, I actually heard a little bit of criticism of him on the back of the, the Moldova game uh, the other night, which I couldn't quite believe. Um, top class, uh, Marv, wasn't he, um, last night for, for Scotland? And, you know, Lyndon Dykes, we were just saying Lyndon Dykes from having been a stick-on uh, for that number nine position, um, Jay Adams is going to take a bit of dislodging now. No, definitely. You know, I thought he was absolutely brilliant last night. Um, his hold-up play looks like it's improving, you know, with each game as it comes for Scotland. Um, a great finish for his goal. You know, took it really well, stayed composed, you know, put it into the bottom corner. But he just ran himself into the ground. You know, Chase lost causes. He, he was very clever with his movement. You know, and they're three top centre-halves that, mm. that Denmark had back there, by the way. Really were. And, you know, he's playing in the Premier League week in, week out. You know, he's, he's not a bad player. Yes, he's going to have bad games at times. But even just allowing, you know, McGinn and Christy to get up the pitch, get the ball into him, lay it and then spin. He's got the pace to go in behind. I think he's been a brilliant, brilliant addition to the, to the Scotland national team and a sort of striker they needed. You know, obviously with Griff, the problems that he had had and the lack of fitness and everything else, you no know, kind of moving out of the squad. I think Che Adams is, is a fantastic replacement for him. And, you know, he's 24 years of age, I think. You know, you're going to have mm. him around for a long, long time. Craig makes a good point there because... Um, uh, sorry, Marv makes a good point there, Crags, which was what I was trying to say. Because while there were attacking players, key attacking players missing for Denmark last night, where they were strong, where they had what mm. they would always have had was at the back. Schmeichel and goals, uh, Kerr, Christensen and Vestergaard. So to have occupied them all night long just tells you something about that performance from Che Adams. The one thing that stood out, you know, amongst other things, was the dynamic nature of the Scotland team. The runners ahead of the ball. You know, if Che Adams got the ball, Christie was going, Gilmer was in behind, John McGinn was non-stop. You've got Robertson who can run forward at pace. You've got Stephen O'Donnell who can run forward at pace. So there was always plenty of movement ahead of the ball. And previously, you know, maybe under Steve Clark at the start of his reign when he was trying to implement the system, sometimes you had two strikers and you had midfield players and then wing backs who probably played behind them. Whereas last night you saw a freedom and a freshness as if to say, we'll run beyond. That attracts attention of defenders, it drags people all over the place, it creates gaps for, for Alexa Ryan Christie to drop in and, and, and link up and play. So, so many things just came to fruition last night. It showed that they can play with two strikers up front, which they did in Austria away from home, which you might have to do. Leave your two strikers, uh, Dykes and Adams, they've got pace, they've got strength. Sometimes you leave them at it and let them go and fight and scrap themselves and you back up when you can. Whereas last night, playing the one striker and the two in behind freed up more people to run forward. There was a, a real enthusiasm about them. You know, they trusted and believed in the system and 
Social media usually isn't a good place to go engage the mood of a nation, and certainly not on football terms. But last night, it was a wash with people united in support of the, of the team. Uh, some people saying it's the best performance I've ever seen from a Scotland team. It's the best of a generation. Everyone was united and pushing in the one direction. And that's what those players have given the fans hope and, and, and that feel-good factor and belief that this team can just keep moving forward. Pat, I take it that one of the first things Dean Smith, the new Norwich manager, is going to do uh, will be reinstall Billy Gilmore into that midfield. Uh, it'd be a bit mad if he, if he didn't. I mean, I've I've actually been to see Norwich a few times this season, and I can, I know the problem was, and I I kind of understand it. Um, Billy, last night, I mean, Craig will tell you, Marv will tell you as well. The brave players are the ones that won the ball. It's not always the guys making a big hefty tackle he wants the ball all the time he'll take the ball anywhere doesn't matter who's on it he'll take it right and he was doing it with Scotland last night he was getting us out of holes and he was playing little winters and it's great he's trying to do that with Norwich and he never ever stopped but he picks the ball up he turned around all he's seen is numbers and backsides because nobody else is wanting the ball the way he's wanting the ball mm -hmm. so what happens he gets caught in the ball and people that don't know the game that well will say wow he's the problem you know he's getting caught in the ball no no he's the solution and you can't figure that out. He's the solution for them. So, you know, Dean Smith knows his stuff and he will definitely have Billy back in there. But it's tough. Down the bottom of the league, you do need people, you know, everybody to want to believe in themselves as players. Billy always will. And see, when you leave Billy out, you know, that means that means you're just going to go long. And that means you're just going to try and... and in the Premier League, that ain't going to be good enough. And they'll need Billy. And if they lose him, if Chelsea take him back or move him somewhere else in January, there'll be a weaker team for it. But it was... How good was it last night? You know when uh, when he was touching the ball late on in the game, the fans were just going berserk. Yeah. <laughs> they absolutely madly in love with him. You know, mm. Same happened over in Moldova, didn't it? It was the fans that went over there. But when Clarky it was against England, wasn't it? When he put McGregor and Gilmore together, and you wondered about it, and then after about fifteen minutes, you went, "Yeah, <laughs> don't just never ever put them apart." No. You know, and it, you're talking McTominay's got to get in there somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's really tough. And that's come back to what I'm saying about we've got real you know, quality all over the place. And I've, I don't know if there's a player in that team that if he's not there, we're in a blind panic. I mean, we want Tierney, we want Robertson, we want them all. But I think we can just about cope with one or two, whereas I think in the past, one or two big players out and we were stuffed. That's not the case now, and that's just brilliant news. Pat, it was interesting you touched on, first of all, about Norwich and Billy Gilmer, because... You know, suppose maybe Daniel Farker looked at it and thought, well, I can't change my system for one player. You know, I've got to try and make something, you know, quite clearly it didn't work. But on the second point, you're talking about putting Gilmer and McGregor together. When you put two good technical technical footballers together, more often than not, they find each other. They play with each other because mm -hmm. they understand he can deal with the ball. He's my kind of player. I know I can play a wall pass off him. I know I can give him the ball under pressure. He'll give me it back, whether that's Gilmer to McGregor or McGregor to Gilmer. You know, so that's why when you put two good footballers together, it works, and it worked for Scotland. And we were just yeah, saying, you, you stick, so, sorry, sorry, Pat, I, I, you you carry on. Yeah, you, you, you stick on top of that McGinn's quality, yeah. and you've got the triangle. You've got the, a, a triangle of pure quality of people who can take the ball absolutely anywhere. And when McGinn, it doesn't matter because you know he wouldn't even be technically good. We all know what he does to hold on to the ball, and nobody can get around him. So <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant to see all three of them working together. But it's uh, the whole thing is meshed perfectly.
And at the moment, if you're a game in three days' time, you would you just wouldn't be breaking up that midfield, Marv, would you? And and we were we were just speaking a bit earlier uh, that the 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 best route back into the team from McTominay would would be into the back three, and even that's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, you would be you wouldn't be breaking them up. No chance, you know. Craig's touching on it there that they're, they're st- controlled entries now for Scotland. You know, it used to be maybe Gordon up to Dykes, and then you're battling for the second ball. The reason that McGinn and Christie and Gilmore will run beyond because they know the ball's going to come in a controlled way. They're no longer working off kind of flick-ons where you've got Chad Adams up front. So it goes Gilmore and McGregor, then it goes Christie and McGinn, then it's into Chadams. They set he sets somebody back and you've got runners in beyond. Scotland are in a lot more control when they're attacking now, you know. It, they look like they're in a lot more control, whether it's going left or right. They know exactly what's happening. It's going into the centre forward. Again, his link up play is fantastic. And Dykes can do the same thing, by the way. People think just because he's a big boy, he can only, you know, jump in the air and win flick-ons. He's actually good with his feet as well. So whether it's Adams or Dykes up there, that you can play exactly the same way. And as long as you've got McGinn. Christie and Armstrong running off them, you know, you're in for a nice, nice time, I think. It's funny, Pat, isn't it? When when Stevie Clark was given his extended deal before the Euros, everyone was saying, what a strange time to be extending his contract. And I think now everyone's saying, oh, thank goodness we extended this contract before the Euros. Uh, well, I certainly wasn't saying it. Um, it's always difficult for me because I mean, everybody knows I'm a good mate of Clarkies and it always sounds like bias. Um, but it's not. It's just ever since all the way back to... The times that he'd worked with, you know, Mourinho's, etc. Then he took his own jobs, you know, in the West Brom one. He's never let anybody down. He's been absolutely exceptional everywhere he's been. And I'm always amazed at, you know, when that was happening. But, you know, it's accepted. If you're a Scotland manager, there's going to be, you know, people looking at you, people checking it, people worried about it. But I think it was a great idea then. It was something I was really, really comfortable because you're not going to win every game, every single time at the top level, especially playing the likes of you know, top quality teams that we are playing against in Denmark, particularly in that 2 0 game when they won. I mean, they were absolutely on a complete high at that point in time. So, you know, it's definitely not a bad idea. Um, but he's got so many good things, the technical side of it, but the, the team spirit that he's built there is ridiculous. Uh, I was chatting to somebody down in, in, in England today and they were saying, well, what's it like? I said, well, you wouldn't want to play against Scotland just now. You really wouldn't want to draw Scotland. And that's, that's a great thing to feel. And he says, well, what's the big thing? I said, when I was watching it last night, it was like watching 10 John McGinn's play. <laughs> they were playing with that, you know, that mm-hmm. liveliness, that sharpness, that chasing it. And you think, that's horrible to play against because you never get a second. And that's what it was like. But keeping that energy up game after game, time after time, it's one of the hardest things to do. The lads will tell you, to get everybody doing that for every single game, it sounds easy. It's really hard. And it comes sometimes when players have a wee bit of an injury, etc. Or, you know, it's tired at the end of the season. But Clark is somehow, he's managed to keep it going for these games. Just needs to go and keep it going for a couple more. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, how far do you think this can go for Scotland? I mean, obviously, we've got the, the matter of the playoffs. Um, we've got a home game now in the semi-final. It could be decent opposition in terms of, Beatability, although on the back of last night, maybe we can beat anybody. Uh, the final's going to be tough, isn't it? The, you know, you would imagine that that who who we get in the final, if we win the semi-final, is going to be tough. But even in a a broader sense, Pat, how you know where where can Scotland go with Stevie Clark at the helm? Just looking at the squad and the people he's bringing in. You know, I mean, I, I look at the left side; it's fine <laughs> for a good three years yet. The problem with Tierney and Robertson. I'm looking at Patterson coming on, Ralston. That's fine as well. How long is Billy Gilmer going to be around for? He's not going to become a bad player overnight. You just look at it and there's just there's enough there to keep us going as a group for quite a long time. So 
and they are improving all the time. So there is absolutely no reason why we can't qualify for things. Um, this, it's going to be tough. Look, there's no hiding it. It's going to be very tough. If we get through this first one, when the, the draw is next Friday, isn't it? Um, yeah. If we get through that, the first one, and get to the final, it's going to be tough to get through. But I, I'm looking at it and saying, if you keep on improving at this level, at this rate, there is absolutely no reason why Scotland, first of all, can't get up the pots, which is the most important thing. Because when we're down with top teams always getting drawn above us, that's not going to happen anymore if we can get up the pots. And I think we will. And if that's the case, I can't see any reason why we can't get back into what we used to do with two or three times we'd be qualifying for the big ones. And tell me finally, Pat, would would, he have, would Stevie have been having a wee party to himself last night when he got behind closed doors? How how, how rock and roll would it have got for Stevie <laughs> Clark last like- night? Can you imagine him, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's great. He's great. He's a good laugh, but he's, 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 you know how good it is now. Yeah. It's just the way he is. It's not an act. It's the way he is. He's that way all the time. And thank goodness he is, because he, ne- he just never gets too carried away. So the moment he has a smile, the moment he does a double fist at the end of the game, that, that's about the level of it. We'll probably have a couple of beers and a glass of wine, but no, it's just not the way he is. He's, he's just wanting to go and get the rest of the job done. By today, he'll be thinking... Hey, OK then, semi-finals, let's start preparing. And that, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And we'll keep him the way he is for as long as he wants to do that job, yeah. to be perfectly honest, the way it's going at the moment. Pat, thanks very much indeed. Good to have you on the show. Great to talk to you and good to see you, lads. Cheers, Cheers. Cheers. All the best. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go! The night after Scotland beat Denmark, 10th in the FIFA World Rankings. And they went into the game last night, 27 points out of 27. They'd only conceded one goal, a late one to the Faroes on uh, Friday night. Scotland put two past them, uh, could it be more as well. Another clean sheet. Um, so in those six wins, pretty sure it's five clean sheets for Scotland. Six wins on the bounce for the national team, the first time since... 1930. Rob McLean, Stephen Craig and Marvin Bartley are here with you on the Goat Radio Football Show and we've got Nicole with us as well. Hi, Nicole. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well yourself. Uh, good after last night, obviously. Oh, no, if you could bottle that feeling, you'd sell that for a yeah, fortune, no, wouldn't you? Yes, you could, you could. Uh, what, did you, what did you like particularly? Did you watch it on the box? Well, I was actually working, but I was listening to it on the radio, so... Ah. Um, but yeah, what I like, what I think was really good is the players are actually getting their, you know, their forms for their teams. They're taking it to the Scotland, you know, the Scotland team. How many times have you seen them? Are they playing for Liverpool, X, Y, and Z? And they're not producing playing for Scotland. I think they're all now producing their club form for the country. Yeah, Marv, nobody's calling off these days. No, exactly. And and that's the credit again to Steve Clark because he's created the kind of this culture within the squad that everyone wants to be there. You know, Craig's touched on it there that they were they're such a happy place now, all the players are vibrant and everything when they meet up and you just want to be part of the group now. Whereas, you know, yesteryear people were pulling out, Oh, I've got this injury, I've got that injury. Now everyone wants to be there and it's, it's a fantastic thing. I think some of the boys are playing beyond their club, you know, kind of form because you've got Billy Gilmore's not even playing at Norwich. I mean, team at the bottom of the Premier League. Aston Villa are struggling a little bit, but John McGinn comes into to, to the national team and looks like Messi. Like he's mm. absolutely unbelievable. So I think they're playing out of their skins, I think. And that's, again, credit to the manager and to, to the players because they're all enjoying their football. 
And when you're enjoying your football, you play, you know, your best football. And that's what they're doing. everyone's doing now for the national team. The one name we haven't really mentioned so far, and he was absolutely outstanding last night, and he's been in and out. He's been a bit part player up till now, but you struggle to elbow him out of the team at the moment. Liam Cooper cracks in your yeah. position. Yeah, and, you know, I think he's 30 years of age. He's probably in his prime, you know, with regards to his reading of the game, his understanding of the game. And I would imagine since working under Bielsa, actually studying the game, you know, the detail he gives his players. I know Stuart Dallas would speak about it quite a lot in Northern Ireland, who plays for Leeds. You know, the information they're given, the understanding of the game and structures and setups. So suddenly when that all comes together, then you have the confidence and belief you can go and play anywhere. But, you know, he's he's a good, aggressive defender. And I think it suits him playing in the middle of that back three because he's got Tierney one side, John Souter, or, uh, you know, it, it would sometimes be Jack Henry. But he's got that real assurance about him, really just understanding his own game. He's happy going onto the pitch, playing in games. There's not a nervousness about him. He's played in the Premier League. He's powerful as well. I mean, he's yeah. not going to be pushed around because no, he, he was up against a big opponent last night in yeah. Cornelius. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, it's the part of the team where they want lots of competition and they've got it. You know, Grant Hanley's now thinking, how am I going to get in? You know, just touching on, you know, your point to Marv about players turning up, you've actually got players who are disappointed when the Scotland squad's name thinking, I'm not in it. You know, you have players thinking, please, you know, not please someone get injured, but if someone has to call off or someone is suspended, call me in. I want to go in and be part of that. Players are now driving and trying to be part of the international squad because things are good, vibrant, wins, you know, making headlines. It enhances your own reputation. Yeah. So, it's you know, it's such a it's such a good vibe in the group, but then the rest of Scottish football is starting to think. You know, Tony Watt, for example, at Motherwell's got a few goals and thinks, I wouldn't mind a shot in the Scotland squad. So, mm. excitement all round. Yeah, and football, Nickel, is, is such a, a big part of, of the Scottish culture, isn't it? That, that, that even people today who really have just a marginal interest in football have got big smiles on their faces. That's what it does, isn't it? Well, it's been a while since we've had a team that's good, let's be honest. You know, when you're watching them, it's... They're not just getting one nil results here and there. They're playing very, very well. You know what I mean? Like last night, they were phenomenal. They were, it wasn't just like a lucky two nil with two corners or set pieces. You know they were. They were passing the ball, breaking well. Um, I think there's a lot of players there that could cause damage going forward, and I think we've had issues with that for a good few years. But now we seem to be going forward and looking dangerous very, very often. And you can see Marv Stevie Clark just putting those pieces in place. Uh, because Scotland are becoming progressively better to watch, easier on the eye, having initially made the team difficult to beat. Most definitely, but I think, you know, it takes stages and, you know, his favourite words, evolution. And, and he's shown at the start, let's build from the back, let's make ourselves difficult to beat. Maybe we don't have the technical players of, a you know, Billy Gilmore in there to play through as a number six, so let's go a bit more direct. And each time, you know, they're evolving, they're evolving, they're evolving to get to this point now where they're controlling it from back to front. You know, Billy Gilmore is happy to go deep and get on the ball, as I said earlier, same with Callum McGregor. And they're just controlling the whole game now rather than going up to a big man. So, you know, again, credit to him because he realised at the start he couldn't play this way. He didn't have the players to play this way. Maybe they didn't have the belief in themselves and the manager to play this way because, you know, you have to... Although he's a good manager and has been a you know top assistant manager and he, he's managed at a high, high level, he still needs to get the trust of the players. So it's all right having your own philosophy. If the players don't believe in it, it's not going to work. So he's made them believe in it by, you know, winning games, by being solid at the back and say, right, let's move on to this bit. Let's move on to the midfield, now to the attacking options. And that's all coming together. So it's, it's absolutely wonderful to see. Because if you look at from his first game to now, the change in the, not only the results, obviously, because everyone loves, you know, to win games, but the way they're playing, it's been fabulous. And that's the one way to convince players. Mm. It's the only way to convince players is by getting results. You can't convince players to keep playing the same way. Things are great and you've lost six games in a row. Yeah. They start to lose faith in what you're saying. You know, they start to distrust what you're saying and, and try and do their own thing and, and take it their own way. So the only way to get them to buy into it is by getting results and winning. 
It was interesting just listening to Nico's uh, chat there saying about, you know, Scotland are competing in games. You know, we spoke earlier about, you know, the two France games in the early 2000s, uh, the Netherlands game, Rob, when they, when they won the first leg of the was a European qualifier, they get to the European Championships and then the Netherlands beat them 6-0. Even England 2-2 at, at uh, Hamden. But Scotland weren't as dominant as what they were last night. And they didn't play as open. They weren't as good in possession. They weren't as as creative going forward. You know, so that's the evolution from, yes, we're, we can get big results, but they can actually get big results playing a certain way, playing a certain style and being control of the game. That was certainly last night. And I think we're at the stage uh, where we're believing, Marv, we're, we're believing that the semi-final victory is possible, getting to Qatar and the World Cup next year is possible. Most definitely. You know, I'm looking at the Scotland team now and thinking you know, the World Cup is a real possibility and I, and I really think that there's nobody of the under-seeded teams, they want to play Scotland. You don't mean to win it, Marv, do you? <laughs> no, no, no. England-Scotland so, 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 final. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, nobody wants to play against them because if you're an unseeded team and you're looking at those, you're thinking, we don't want to play against Scotland because you know, they're nations, we're thinking, you should be going and beating Scotland and, and you look at their team and the way they're playing they've been brilliant you might as well go and play against Italy and Portugal when you are actually the underdogs mm -hmm. you know nobody wants to play against Scotland at this moment in time and I really think they can do it you know even the Cedar teams nobody wants to face them at this moment in time so you know get through the semi-finals and then you know it's a one-off game in the final it'd be fabulous if they can make it and I know that uh, Craigs you're going to explain all the ramifications <laughs> and repercussions yeah. of uh, who we could get in the playoffs because well it's an absolute porridge isn't it at the moment the, the, there are some things we definitely know but lots we lots we don't I mean I think that the, the Wales Belgium game is a, is a classic example of that tonight um, in terms of what could happen what might happen what's already happened mm. yeah because I think still in that group Czech Republic play Estonia you would like to think Czech Republic would beat Estonia quite comfortably. So if they win comfortably, Wales don't pick anything up, suddenly Czech Republic come into it. So, you know, there's lots of permutations about it. I think having the game at home is huge. When you see the unity between the fans and the and the team, a much stronger unit. Scotland are a much stronger unit as a team when the fans are with them, give them that support. I mean, we're talking about the players you know, not wanting to miss out on international trips. The fans don't want to miss out on going to Hamden, Rob. That's two, game, two home games in a row, two sellouts. That tells you the vibe they have towards the players and their country again, you know, and, and, and the next one will be sold out and that will continue to be, and it should be. You know, Scotland's yep. big strength over the years has been the Tartan Army and now they're getting the chance to enjoy themselves. Is it Nicol or Nico? Am I calling you the right name? Uh, Nicol. Nicol, yeah. Nicol, um, yeah, I mean, gone are the days, aren't they? I mean, you know, it was a full house against Israel. It was a full house last night. Just amazing atmosphere, amazing to, to be there. Um, and you would imagine that's going to, that's just going to kick on uh, people are going to want to be there and be part of this as Scotland make these forward strides. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be tough to get a ticket now, I can assure you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, they're good to watch and people are going to watch. I mean, it's that's there's, I've watched Scotland and it's, well, there's been times when it's not been fantastic, but um, yeah, it's good to watch, really enjoying it, really enjoying it. And I did like, um, I think other teams will fear getting Scotland. In the playoffs, I think nobody will fancy us. Yeah, you would definitely you would definitely look at what happened last night to, to a team that were absolutely flying and they were they were just seriously derailed, correct? Yeah. Well, you look at even over the nights prior, Serbia go to Portugal and win, get to the World Cup. Italy go to Belfast and play Northern Ireland, who hadn't won a home game in their their group, and they only managed to get a draw. So there's no given in any international game. People say, oh, international games, you, know, you can beat them and beat them. So for Scotland to go and win six games in the bounce and you see bigger nations struggling to get games over the line or not picking up wins, that tells you what kind of form they're in. So I don't think Scotland will fear anyone. I generally think teams will be looking and thinking, can we avoid Scotland? Just because the, the energy 
and the momentum, which is a huge word in sport and a huge word in football, is all with Scotland. But you said the downside, they have to wait the March. Steve Clark would love the game to be next week when he knows everybody's up for it and the fans are up for it. So it'll be a case of seeing who's available in March. He probably haven't, you know, if you said to Steve Clark, now pick your team now for your game in March, have you picked it? I bet you wouldn't be the exact same team that actually plays in March through injuries mm -hmm. or suspensions or problems or you know people losing form, not playing. So um, he'll just enjoy the few weeks now and then start planning for March. Nicole, good to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. All the best. Bye. And we will be speaking to one of the heroes of Hamden after the news at six. That's Stephen O'Donnell. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With Taxi Trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So so if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. I think the crowd enjoyed it. I think that might be the <laughs> understatement of the evening from uh, Stevie Clark. It was party time in Mount Florida last night and uh, the Scotland fans just didn't really want to go home as the players did a pretty slow lap of honour and Hamden was bouncing on the back of those goals from Che Adams and of course from John Souter as well that header uh, a football fairy tale after uh, the torture the injury nightmare that John Souter has been through and afterwards for the manager there was no doubt about uh, what summed up the story of the night no, no, I think John, John Souter can, can be the story of the night for me it was to come back from the injuries that John had over such a prolonged period of time it was a bonus and I know how happy he was just to be in the squad to get the chance to play tonight. And to play the way he played, not obviously the goal was the icing on the cake for him, but his performance was outstanding as well. So congratulations to John. I gave him a big hug as he came off the pitch there. And it was quite emotional. You understand when you've been a player yourself and you've been involved in the game for so long, how difficult it is on the road back. So absolutely delighted for John. And of course, one of the upshots of last night will be a heightened interest in the future of John Souter, not just at Tynecastle, but uh, elsewhere as well. Already the rumour machine um, had uh, John Souter linked with other clubs. Uh, and you would imagine, Craig's on the back mm. of on the back of last night, there's going to be a lot more clubs taking a lot more interest. I would imagine that Rangers and Celtic are having a look. I don't think they would be doing the club's justice, the coaching system, or sorry, the, the scouting network, if they hadn't looked at John Souter because he's out of contract in the summer. So, you know, as good as it was for Hearts to see one of their players representing Scotland and playing and scoring, it makes their, their negotiations even harder with him mm -hmm. because he's put himself in the spotlight. The national manager's talking about him. He scored against Denmark. You know, his name's all over the paper. Mm -hmm. So suddenly people who haven't thought about John Souter are probably thinking, well, we should go and have a look. You know, but he's always had the technical ability He's always been good in possession of the ball. His distribution has been good. He's got good recovery pace where the ball goes in behind. Possibly at times, maybe not physically strong enough. When he was a bit younger, he used to get, I wouldn't say bullied being the word, but centre forwards like playing against him. I think that's all changed. You know, he looks a completely different animal. 24, 20, probably 25 years of 25, age. 25, yeah. 25 years of age. Now, that is, his prime years are ahead of him. Hearts, unfortunately, may not be able to match the wages other clubs are offering, but certainly I would imagine that Rangers and Celtic would be having a look. When you think of the, the, the way... Rangers have went the over, uh, down the years with Glenn Kamara, Ryan Jack, 
Jake Casty, Jordan Jones, Scott Wright, bringing players in from Scottish football. They want to try and get the crop. He certainly is the crop as a young centre half. He seemed like a magnet for the ball last night, Marv, didn't he? The number of times he headed it away. Yeah, his positioning was fantastic. And that's why he does seem like a magnet because he's in the right position at the right time. And, you know, as Craig was touching on there, Celtic and Rangers have to be looking at them. You know, we've got the Goldson situation at Rangers in terms of his contract. We've got Carter Vickers on loan at Celtic, so he's going to go back at the end of the season. Um, I think John Suter goes into either of those teams and makes those defences better. And again, at 25 years of age as well, he is only going to get better. You know, he talked about Liam Cooper earlier at 30, you know, being in his prime as a centre-half because you get the experience then, you know, your position is even better. John Suter's five years younger than him. You know, there'll be teams definitely down in England also looking, but I think, you know, when Celtic and Rangers come calling, it's very difficult, you know, for, for a Scottish player to say, you know, I'm going to go to England rather than being up here. I said before the news at six, uh, we were going to speak to one of the, the heroes of Hamden. We're going to do that right now. Stephen O'Donnell, welcome. Hi, Rob, hi. Oh, brilliant. Uh, what a performance. Uh, what a performance from you last night, the team, the fans. Um, what was that sort of occasion like to be part of, right in the middle of it? Oh, look, I think it was certainly been involved in a few games now at Hamden and, and some of them not had, not quite had as many fans and, and with the full house was was an incredible experience personally, the first one I've had. Um, and obviously the performance itself, the gaffer said it for for a while now, we're a good team. Uh, we've got a great squad, I think. You get positions like you go into your games and you see the subject come on, it doesn't change. Um, everyone knows their job and and I think we we well deserved to win last night, and it was, as I said, uh, an amazing uh, experience to, to play in that, and and thankfully be part of a winning side. That connection between players and fans at the moment is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, no. Look, I think look, it makes it easier for the team successful, and in the last we well, I think we have been. I think it's, it's been a while we managed to qualify for the Euros. Maybe a bit overwhelmed in the. That's maybe the the results obviously weren't great in the Euros, but then we bounced back and and to finish second, which was was always the the, the realistic ambition. Denmark are a, a very good side, and and to challenge them throughout a group would be difficult. Um, but we had put competition to try and get above Austria, who were obviously seeded number two, and we've done that. And and Israel, who obviously for the past four years have been there. <laughs> Everywhere I look, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so so it was nice to get above the two of them, and then and then obviously topping off with a, a good victory to be seeded in the the playoffs is a was a, a very good end to the to the group. The rate of progress is rapid, Stephen, isn't it? Yeah, no. Look, I, I think there's, I think what's even more promising is the the, the number of boys that are in, so young still, like Nathan, Billy. The the talent is is endless, and and hopefully it's a a sign of good things like you, I know a wee bit of talk about the Danish team missing a few players but uh, we had the, a, a few injured or a few missing as well you had McTominay you had Henry you had Dykes Hanley um, Hanley to name but a few so yeah it's um, certainly promising and, and, and hopefully uh, get a good draw and, and, and can compete in the in the semi Sorry Smart you okay mate? How's things? Yeah, all good, all good. Just just a quick one. You spoke about the Euros there. Um, and obviously, you played in the first game against the Czech Republic. Uh, you came off, I think it was for James Forrest. And then, obviously, you know, social media, the way it is, people kind of wanted you replaced um, for the next game. The manager kept faith in you. But mentally, how did you deal with that? Because obviously, then you go play against England, you know, some of the best attacking players in the world and keep a clean sheet. But, you know, what was it like between those two games for you personally, after, obviously, I, I imagine you reading those sorts of comments? 
Yeah, no, look, I, I think the, the the Czech Republic game was, was difficult because it was probably obviously where I've played. I've, I've maybe not been as open to the, the such a public scrutiny. Um, and certainly with Scotland, it's always been kind of heightened. But then in the Euros was, was another level altogether. Um, and, and it was difficult, I think, for, for a couple of days. It, it was tough to kind of get my head around just because it was, again, look, we, we actually performed, if you looked at the game, we probably had more chances than we've had in a lot of games and just didn't take any. Was a was a great no, but we we still weren't terrible in that game. But yeah. I think when you've got a manager that like Steve Clark, he's he's always calm and he and he and he believes in you and he and he gives he gave, gives me, I can only speak for myself, but he gives me the belief that that, that I can perform and, and, and that gets the best out of me. I think he um even the obviously the last few games Nathan's been playing, I've never felt any, anything different other than this manager trust me and then when you come in you're you're in a position that you you know your job you know your role and you're you're happy to go out and, and, and give it your all as as I would expect everyone would be but but um but no so it was it was relatively consistent in the in the Euros and how he wanted to set up and then it's and then again the, the Denmark games similar to those games the, the the caliber of team um makes it a different sort of evening and, and obviously when Nathan being suspended I was more than happy to come in and, and, and put in a put in a, a solid enough performance. I don't think it was anything special, but no, it was, it was something it. special, mate. You're playing it down, no, aren't you? <laughs> no, but when, no, but when you can like it's, <laughs> a right back and a right wing back, really is going to make a good team a great team. But you can be part of it, and, and that's what I think I, I was able to be. The, as I said, like the likes of Billy inside you, like, just constantly showing for the ball. I think it gets my passing accuracy up about fifty percent. <laughs> 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 but uh, but no little things like that. But it's uh, but no look. Um, I, I think the mental side of it's tough. It always has been in football. Um, I, I get my eggs window just after the Rangers game, which was nice. Um, <laughs> off a off a couple of my little fans, so that was that was always a nice thing to get. Um, but these things come come in all different uh, shapes and sizes, and and thankfully I've got a, a good network round about me and, and a manager and, and that, that trusts me and. And as I said, it made the pile of difference in the Euros and, and will continue to do so if I'm selected. International football seems to bring the best out in your sods. And I, I can relate to it because when I played international football myself, I found as if I could go to levels that I couldn't get to on a regular basis. You know, whether that's concentration, whether it's maybe just playing with players who are playing at a higher level than what I was at. What is it you think that makes you go to international level and stand out? Um, look, I think it's different different games and different expectations if if you're going to put me at right wing back in a game we're going to dominate then you're expecting me to be skipping by players it's not I'm not, it's not really my game I'll, I'll give it all I can give but, yeah, yeah. Like, but whenever you're playing against the, the England's and, and, and Denmark like that's where I, I would like I'll come in I, I think I can make good decisions I think in, in defence I don't tend to panic too often Um uh, and, I, and I stay on my feet and make it hard to go by. They might go back, but it'll be hard. I won't dive in. I won't get rash. And and um, and, and and on the ball at, at times I can bring quality, bring composure, and, and was able to do that a few times the other night. And I don't know that. Look, I think it's um, something that I'd, I'd I'd love to try and find the answer to myself. Is maybe if I, I do tend to perform at maybe a higher level, but look, I think the full setup when you go away, you're you're well looked after. You've got the best of everything. Um, and it, and it does make a difference. It makes we percentages that then make you perform better, and the 
and, and that surrounded by the, the, the quality you have and obviously should should lead to an improvement in your personal performance. And Motherwell's most capped Scottish national team player, 13 caps last night, puts you at the top. That's nice. Well, I've I seen that. Alan, had, uh, Alan Burrows had, had let me know that the last time I played and, and I'd, I had to wait a wee bit longer than I thought maybe to break it. <laughs> but it was, uh, but uh, I was home and Nathan hadn't played. I thought he might have, might have broke, uh, cramped up last five minutes. <laughs> These young ones can run for days. So uh, no, look, I was uh, d- delighted, obviously, to, to 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 break any sort of records is is always brilliant. Um, and uh, obviously, being being a local boy, Mallow is something I, I never would have thought to to achieve, and, and, and delighted to to have done it. Was that a lead up to which Motherwell players got the most caps for Northern Ireland? Was that were you no, no, you no, 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 no? I, I just didn't, no, I saw it earlier on, and I thought, uh, you know, yeah. like uh, accolades like that. Yeah. Are nice to you know remember in years to come, but once you get beyond a record, you want to keep adding and adding and yeah. adding and see where you take to. So I think it's nice to have a Motherwell player in and Absolutely. around the Scotland squad and playing in games. I think it brings the profile of the club up, and it just reiterates the other players in the Scottish Premiership that irrespective of what team you are or what club you are or what size the club is, if you're doing the business, then you've got a chance of an international call up. Did you manage a wee celebration last night, Stephen? Did the lads manage to have a a little mini party? Yeah, no, no. With a wee party, a wee just a celebration. End of end of the. The group was always good to to get out. Obviously, the the previous group was kind of different with regards to COVID and all that kind of stuff. So, so it was nice to um, kind of spend a wee bit of time with the boys and and all back to club football. Actually, it's, it's a long gap between the next camp. I think is it four, four months. Four months. Yeah, four months. So, obviously, you've had three back to back, and you kind of feel. Oh, it sounds kind of daft, but you become more like a like a like a club team because you, you're spending so much time. Um, and the time condensed. It's 24 hours a day you're with them, so was a uh, was always it's always good to be away. And and now we need to just focus. That's what the gaffer we've reiterated, trying to trying to stay fit and and be playing at as high a level as as we can at our club. And and hopefully we'll be we'll be back on in March. So that's the that's the aim. That's the aim for me. And yeah. And let's hope let's hope it happens. Did you get much feedback last night from the Danish players uh, about the Scottish performance? Because I know that the the manager Casper Hulman was very magnanimous afterwards and and was you know looking forward to Scotland hopefully joining Denmark at the at the World Cup. And I think he was really really impressed at the quality of the performance from Scotland. Um, well, we, we what well, I think I didn't get any feedback personally. I don't know if, I, if they spoke English. I don't. <laughs> Probably better than us. <laughs> Some of them, the fans. I'd seen a few fans. I think they, they spoke pretty good English. But no, the uh, <laughs> look. I, I think what what it shows is Denmark. Even in the in the Euros in the summer, it, it shows we can compete. Like they had players missing, so did we. But we competed. We played well, and, and we deserved it. And, and I think that's what if we came away from there and scraped a, a one each or a one 0 you'd go. That's a, that's a bloody good result. That's a, that's, that's a good performance, but. I think the style in which we we done it hopefully just gives us belief, more belief than maybe the belief that was lacking going into the the Euros. So hopefully, if it wasn't lacking going into Euros, but like when you maybe reflect, maybe we could have been a bit more. I don't know if you can believe in yourself more against the Czechs, and and then obviously going into the Croatia game, we could have beat them. They were a top side. I know people were saying mm-hmm. they're aging, but but it's uh, they were a very very good side and. And it's just trying to get get all that together, and thankfully last night it, it all came together. Don't know maybe if he says they were off it. I'm not sure what they've said, but I thought I certainly thought we were 
we were at it the first ten minutes, maybe kind of worked hard, got in the game, and then, and as I said, the quality that it's the players possess throughout the squad. It's um, you're always going to have a fair share of the ball, and and then have, have real quality everywhere. And Shea it, Adams last, last night was oh, exceptional. Yeah. And I don't think Denmark had much choice in the first half, to be honest, in how they played, because they weren't allowed to play as Scotland dictated. Um, um, but uh, I, I mean, you, you, you touched on the Euros experience there, and, and, and maybe on reflection, Stephen, that's just something that Scotland... You know, that, that's tournament experience, isn't it? And that's, that's, that, yeah. was, that was the first tournament for the men's team yeah, for, well, for, for 23 years, and, and you maybe need that as, as another step of progress. No, hundred percent. I think the experience is there now that even just to being away for the thinking there was maybe four to, to six weeks. I think we're away something like that, and, and just that itself is, is different. You're kind of away for your family a bit longer, for everyone kind of be, be affected in different ways, and and it was just it was just that the whole nation was behind you as well, which was kind of a lot of the games previously went a wee bit under the under the radar when when we've been performing well and. It was whenever you got to the like we turning up at Hamden, the the noise that the twelve and a half thousand made was ridiculous. You started to kind of really notice at the end, to getting to the games how not how much this meant to everyone because you knew that, but like it was the whole nation was behind us, and maybe that just had a wee bit of a toll because we're not used to it. But then you go out um, last night and you get fifty thousand at Hamden, incredible atmosphere, incredible support, and and it, and it makes a difference against the against any side but certainly in the, the games where you maybe need uh, a wee bit more more help and, and they certainly gave us it which is um, was brilliant You spoke about that uh, just finally Stephen you, you spoke about that uh, mutual trust between yourself and the manager which goes back of course to your to your time at Kilmarnock um, how big a factor in this Scotland success story and it's certainly a, a success story the, the progress we've made uh, in the last little while how much is it about the bond that Stevie Clark has created that every international manager wants to make it like it's a, a club set up um, some achieve it and some don't how much of the, the Scotland success is down to that do you think? Uh, well, I think it's a, a big I think it's a big part I think obviously the manager is, is the one that drives that but behind him you've got the, the staff that are brilliant um, they all got the, you, they've been kind of pretty much the same staff have been in since I came in um, I think it was three, four years ago now, and and the kind of that breeds the kind of club feel about it. There's not too many changes. Naturally, people leave in the back room. They maybe go to to pastures new, but then so it's only a couple of changes every so often. So, well, a big part of credit for that goes to to Graham Jones. He kind of I'm pretty sure he heads up all the that the sort of decisions. And uh, and the gaffer, obviously missing a few coaching staffs here and there. Um, but for for the, the large part keeps it continuity and, and and it helps. It just makes makes everybody's relationship easier. And it also means whenever one or two new faces come in, it should be a bit more seamless for them because they're surrounded by people that are maybe a bit more I don't know if I'd say experience but you know you've the more experience of the of uh, coming away and, and, and the sale and whatnot. And we should maybe say a well done to Dr. John McLean, eh? Because he's been part of that backroom, the medical setup for for such a long time, hasn't he? And I think that was his farewell last night, wasn't it? And what, not a bad way to go in terms of the game. No, certainly not a bad way to go. And, and it's safe to say, of all the years he's been the the doc at Scotland, I think he's maybe earned his money the last couple of years <laughs> with COVID. Yeah, it's uh, maybe not a great time to be a doctor now, but uh, for all the keys, he's been brilliant since I've been in. And, 
and it, it was good. It was nice to give him a wee send off. With, with, with um, got a couple of things from, and we gave him the night before. But again, the things become less whenever the the result maybe leaves a sour note. So thankfully we were able to to perform and and let him go on a high and and uh, and I'm sure he'll be be giving his old stick come come uh, March if yeah. we're involved. <laughs> Better let you go because sounds like there's a bit of action happening in the background there, Stephen. Great great to have you on the show and well done on last night. Brilliant performance from you and the team. Well done. Thanks so much. Take care. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go! Cheers, Chris. Keeping us up to date on the traffic and the travel. And it was good to hear from Stephen O'Donnell just before the the break. Uh, very self-deprecating, isn't he, um, about his abilities? He thought he did okay last night. He was magnificent, Marv, wasn't he last night? Yeah, he was fantastic. And as I said to him on the phone, you know, he was playing it down a little bit. Uh, it just, you know, sums him up as a man. He gets on with his job. It's almost like the Gary Neville of yesterday for England. Just get on with your job. You know, get seven, eight out of ten, week in, week out, and he just goes about his business, and then goes back to babysitting after the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's pretty good as well about shutting out all that negative noise on the outside as well, which I, I guess you just have to do, Craig's. You do. You know, sometimes you feel as if an individual is unwarranted. But that, 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 that's the nature of the world we live in. Everybody's got access to you. Everybody can comment in every single minute of the game that you're playing <laughs> due to social media. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't say you accept it, but you just probably don't look at it anymore. You get on with it. You focus on your job. You're mentally strong. You do your routines, your habits, your procedures, everything you've done building up the games. You focus on you and you go and get on with it. And all you keep doing is keep answering your critics. That's all you can do. The accent on the positive, and that's certainly the mantra of the manager. Yeah, I think the performance level, with and without the ball, over the over the course of the 90 minutes was really good. Uh, just we mentioned the period in the first half where we had good control of the game against a good Danish team. Obviously, not listen, they were missing one or two players, but we were missing four or five as well. So there's good depth in our squads. When you think about it like that, I've just thought about it and I'm thinking I've got to pick the squad in March. So hopefully they all stay fit and make it difficult for me. But it was good. It was a good performance. I think the the crowd feed off that, but the players feed off the crowd as well. When when I took this job, there was a lot of negativity around. Now there's a lot of positivity and the players love it. The players like to be loved and they feel the love off the crowd, which is great. Let's talk to Scotland fan John. John, how was it for you last night? It's terrific, Rob. Um, I was saying to your producer that, um, you know, I feel that we're quite nine now. It's, um, you know, we're in danger of getting ourselves ahead of ourselves. Again. It's almost scary. Oh, let's get ahead of ourselves. Um, no, it was a terrific performance to... I mean, I think the last time I saw Scotland play with a swagger against a team of that kind of level was Ukraine uh, in 2007. But that was up there with that game. Uh, that was just absolutely tremendous. The way we bossed the first half. I think this, the highlight, you know, was the way we played ourselves out of danger in the like, 32nd minute. That we um, ended up Adams having a shot when he should have passed Robertson. But it's got one touch pass to get ourselves out of the danger, danger area. I mean, when do you ever associate that with a Scotland team? It was just terrific to watch. What about that pass from Christie with the outside of the left boot, Marv? It was it was Bartley-esque. <laughs> I was about to say that, Marv. No, no, it was unbelievable. You know, and John's touching on there, like the test of one-touch play I was talking about earlier on in the show, how they got out of that and then to put, you know, go on the counter-attack and, like you say, Chadams maybe should have cut it across, but a striker's never passing there, is he? <laughs> Especially to a left-back. He's seen Andy shooting a goal before. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> in training. So he probably thought, I'm better off taking this on myself. But no, the build-up to that was absolutely fantastic and... 
you know, we spoke about earlier about Billy Gilmore wanting the ball and, and uh, McGregor wanting the ball in, in tight spaces and then you can go into McGinn and everything else. It's just, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. And that, that passage of play you're talking about in the 32nd minute, just honestly, that was Scotland throughout the game. Whenever they got on the ball, yes, there was a bit of a sticky period, but they defended well. But also off the ball, Billy Gilmore and Callum McGregor, I would love to see their stats for how much ground they covered. And there's no surprise that Billy Gilmore cramped up and you know, at times saw Callum McGregor stretching off because, yeah, they were fantastic on the ball. When you've got top players working as hard as they do off the ball, you know, it, honestly, it's ingredients for a great, great team. The shame is, John, we don't have any more game time uh, till March. That four-month wait now, 10 days to the, the draw, but but four months to that uh, that semi-final um, at Hamden. And it's, it's a, I guess it's a bit like a club going into an international break when they're on a good run of form. You just want it to keep going, don't you? Exactly. I mean, it's just a shame that after, you know, six games um, in a row, we won in the matter of two months that, you know, we have this four months break and you just worry, um, you know, what's what form's going to be like because four months are a long time in international football and then obviously you get, you might have one or two players have dropped at form of their club, one or two have picked up injuries. you just got to um, hope that they keep up their form with their clubs and, um, you know, Especially, I mean, the other thing about last night as well, that was a makeshift defence we had because Tierney hasn't played alongside um, both Cooper and Suter in the back three. No. They looked as though they played, um, you know, together for years, and that's just a sign of the, the squad we've got now that players are able to slot in and play good. I mean, we're talking about McTominay having to come back and Hanley to come back, but then did Cooper do anything wrong in the two games? No. The top? No, did Suter do anything last night? I mean, he was. Um, he was to seven three years after his last appearance where he got injured and sent off in the same game. It was um, you know, wonderful to see him come in against a team like Denmark and, you know, absolutely stroll it basically. And that squad strength, Crags, is exactly what Stevie Clark has been building towards, isn't it? Um, where you've got not just an eleven, but you've got a squad of players, you've got a system and you can slot players in seamlessly. Absolutely. And it comes from the players coming in and performing. You know, the amount of opportunities he's given the players, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but sometimes they come in and they don't live up to expectations, so they drop back down the pecking order. But everybody who seems to be coming in is hitting the ground running, is making an impact in the game. And, of course, then you look over at Rangers and think, Ryan Jack's back fit. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, he's not 100% fit, but in four months' time, he'll be raring to go. Yeah. You know, so there's another uh, conundrum to put into that midfield area. So it's, it's probably as strong a group of players as Scotland have had you know, over the 25, 26, 27 players. We're not just talking 11 or 12 or 13 or 14. You've got 25, yeah. 26 players now who you think could easily get into that squad. Could probably play in the first 11. Would maybe make a slight impact, but the level of performance would still be good irrespective of what 11 you picked out of the 25 or 26 players. So that's exactly where Steve Clark wants it. You heard it in his interview. He says, I've now got to pick a squad for March. Mm. But I'll leave that for another day and we'll see where we are because he knows there's people coming through. We're still talking about Cal- Calvin Ramsey coming through at right back. Aaron Hickey, Marvin touched on earlier on. You know, so that uh, Josh Doyle got left back. I think the under-21s play tonight, don't they? So there's lots of opportunities for these young players to think, I want to be part of that. I want to put myself in the eye line of a Scotland manager. Because what he's showing is he doesn't just bring players in and put them on the bench. He's quite happy to put the likes of John Suter in. So everyone will be desperate for an opportunity. I have to say, John, I, I was a big fan um, until the last few days of of a front two of, of Dykes and Adams. I, I thought that was that always seemed to me the way to go for Scotland. And that was the way we, we played best with those two together. Um, but he tweaked it for these two games, uh, you know, one striker and, and two two playing off. And, and that seems to have worked rather well, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it worked before when it was um, when it was just Dykes. Obviously, when you think of the playoff against Serbia last year, and obviously it's come back 
squad strength Marv and also maybe a bit more as we go along as well tactical adaptability that 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 way of changing yeah exactly but Sod said it uh, earlier in the call when he said everyone knows their jobs he knows whether he's playing right wing back or not that he knows what a right wing back what's expected from him so you're saying that Tierney, Cooper and Suter went together as a back three and they've not played together they each know each individual knows what's expected from them within there and that's again a sign of a good manager and a good coaching team because they can articulate to the players this is what we expect from you no uncertain terms, there's no muddy water, there's no grey line, this is what we expect, go out there and do this. And that's why it doesn't matter who goes in there, if it's McKenna coming back or McTomney or Hanley go in there, you're getting solid performances now from the defensive line and everyone else in front of them also because everybody knows their job down to a T. Steve Clark has got it absolutely perfect and also you've got boys coming off the bench who are not sulking, thinking I should have been starting, why am I not starting? Take some five minutes you know, to get rid of that kind of chip on their shoulder and then they get involved in the game. From the first second that they're on the pitch and that also goes again once they're on the pitch, they're putting everything into it. And again, these things seem like our simple things. That's what's expected by players. I can tell you right now that doesn't happen at all clubs or all nations. And that's another thing you talk about, the Scotland culture. Everything is going in the right direction. Just fingers crossed they make it to the World Cup because that would be the icing on the cake. Ten days till the draw. John, who do you fancy at Hamden in the semi-final? <laughs> um, I, th- I think, I think it's, it's difficult to be, see, to be honest. Um, I'm not getting carried away, but I don't mind who we get because mm. I think we can take on almost anyone at Hamden, it's then who we get in the final that's more the worry. But right now, a lot of teams are thinking we don't want Scotland with the momentum that we've got going. And, you know, there's, it's not too long ago that people wouldn't have thought that. So, um, I mean, <clears throat> we've done extremely well to come through this qualifying campaign um, in a playoff position. Winning six in a row is just fantastic. You know, that's not been done competitively for, what, since the 30s, I believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1930, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just unbelievable. My preference—I I would rather not play Austria just because we've played them recently. The same with the Czech Republic if they're in that situation. Um, my preference would be uh, North Macedonia, um, with no disrespect, and they're obviously a progressive side, and one of either um, Finland or Ukraine. I think I'd be quite confident against those teams. But to be honest, any one of the six, bring them on. <laughs> John, good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Cheers, guys. All good the best. John. That's John, uh, Scotland fan, and uh, loved it last night, uh, as all Scotland fans did. 2-0 against I Denmark. I love Tony said, I'm not going to get carried away. And then he did. Well, bubble tea anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He got carried right away. I thought you were going to deflate him again with your North Macedonia line. No, 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 I'll, I'll let him go and check it out for himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
club football uh, is looming on the horizon again. Um, and just as we're coming t- uh, to the last bit of the show, uh, let's talk about the those two upcoming uh, League Cup semi-finals and, of course, uh, three Premiership games going on on Saturday. If I had mentioned them, uh, Marv would have clipped me around the ear <laughs> and reminded me that Livingston uh, are at St Mirren on Saturday, Motherwell Hearts and Dundee United, Aberdeen. The two League Cup uh, semi-finals, Celtic St Johnston Saturday, Rangers against Hibs, on Sunday and of course Rangers uh, still to appoint a new manager we touched on it at the top of the show we'll be speaking about it a little bit more now um, I guess if it wasn't going to be Giovanni Van Bronckhorst we'd probably know by you, now Craig's wouldn't you'd we? You'd probably have heard about it by now I think there was some stuff circulating yesterday that there was two other candidates who hadn't been mentioned in the public domain mm. Um, and uh, Is that again, a smokescreen? Well, again, that would be surprising because there would always be a leak somewhere. There's always somebody trying to promote their client or there's always someone knows someone in a newspaper who will you know, put it out for them. That, that's the way sport works. So uh, all roads seem to lead to Giovanni van Bronckhurst. Uh, we were just talking off-air during the break there that you know it's getting closer to the semi-final. This is a big game for Rangers. You know, when the manager's left and they've had a week or so, I mean, I don't think there's any panic. It's just been under a week since, since Stephen Gerrard left. But... If they ended up losing this game on Sunday, you know, they leave themselves open for someone to point the finger and say, well, you didn't move quick enough. You should have been on the ball. You should have been thinking about a belief and you should have had a... Things should have moved quicker. So there's always accusations that will come out. But whoever takes the job, it's a really attractive job. You know, seldom do you get a big job. And I'm talking a big job as in a big club who are top of the table in three cup competitions and they've got a really healthy squad and there's a real good feel about the club. Very seldom do you get that. You normally have to go and take a big club who have underperformed like Ange Postacoglu had to do in the summer, like Stephen Gerrard had to do when he took over Rangers initially. And you've got to rebuild up and the pressure's on, you've got to get players in. It's sitting there waiting to go. It's just waiting for someone to come in, stamp their authority onto it, maybe just put little subtle changes into the system, little subtle changes or, or pieces of information or style of play just to kick it on. So whoever gets the job, it's a wonderful job to get at a good time and the team's going well. You could potentially be lifting a trophy in the next four or five weeks. If you can get it through Hibs at the weekend, you will go and win the cup final. So there's not many jobs off of that. And on the other side of the coin, um, the whole perception of Stephen Gerrard's departure might just change at the weekend where Rangers to lose that game. Uh, and suddenly the fans who were saying, oh, well, it was a bigger league. It was a, a, He had to go. He'd done three and a half years. He'd improved the team, blah, blah, blah. Uh, a lot of the blame will be <laughs> laid at Stephen Gerrard's door were Rangers not to win this. Yeah, I don't think there's many fans that were saying that, though. So it'd only be maybe 10 or 15 of them. A lot <laughs> of the stuff I've seen of people have been, um, you know, disappointed that he's gone and, and everything else. But, yeah, I mean, listen, Stephen Gerrard's gone now. They have to kind of close that chapter and, and move on to, to the next one. Whatever happens from here on in is is on, you know, whoever's in charge of the team going forward, whether it's, you know, with Defoe and the other three coaches they're in at the moment, if they take Sunday's game, all the new managers there. Um, one thing I think that the club will, would have had, and I'll say into Craig's kind of affair, that I think they would have had a list of people should Gerard move on. Because I think at some point, this is not come as a surprise. You know, you always knew that Stephen Gerrard at some point wasn't going to go down to England. Most of us thought it would be down to Liverpool. Mm. He's now decided to take another job. Um, I, I think it would be very, very close to announcing the manager. And, and again, we were saying that maybe tomorrow would be the perfect day, um, you know, so he can get a few days training with them before the cup final. But they, they definitely need to move forward with it. You know, I think they know who they want. They're probably just finalising the last little bits of it. Um, and the players will want to know who their new manager is as well because you're going to train at this moment in time not really knowing what's going on. You know, these four preparing for the game, are they like saying, well, I'll pick him, we should play this team or this formation? Are they saying that to the to the players? Because a new manager might come in between now and then and then all of a sudden you've gone from starting to being on the bench or not even in the squad. So, 
yeah, I think Rangers need to like get it sorted now. You know, calms everything down, and they can look forward to the to the semi final on Sunday. And if uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is the man, and if he is appointed in the next couple of days, then that will be his first game in charge at Hamden. A League Cup semi-final against Hibs on Saturday. Celtic against St Johnston, also bidding for a place back at Hamden in the final. The Go Radio Football Show with thetaxicentre.com Your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you. Let's go! Just news uh, reaching us that Paul Hanlon of Hibs has signed a contract extension. Uh, he'll be with the club uh, till 2024. Now 481 appearances. Uh, he's eighth on the all-time appearance list. I wonder if Hibs are going to come back to form. It's been a strange little spell for them, Marv, your own team, uh, old team, hasn't it? I wonder if it's going to come together for them in a Hamden semi-final. Yeah, it's been difficult, a difficult period for them. Um, obviously, you know, I think they lost four or five on the bounce and then they've obviously had the bout of COVID. Um, I think they played Dundee in a friendly today to kind of get that rustiness out of the players, but it's a huge game for them. A massive, massive game. You know, Jack Ross's uh, record at, at Hamden isn't great. I don't think he's won a game there, if mm. I'm honest. So, you know, that's something that he will want to address. You know, the players going into that game will want to get to the final. And, you know, if, you know, if they win this, they got a massive chance of winning it because then you're only one game away from lifting that cup. And, you know, the disappointment they had last season of, of losing in the final, I think it's, you know, it's going to spur them on. Obviously, it was a Scottish Cup final, this is the League Cup, but losing the final, I think that will spur them on on Sunday. And, you know, again, without Rangers, without a manager, they'll be thinking, like, listen, if we can get into them early, they might be, you know, a bit uneasy about what they should be doing. They might be, you know, cross-wise, et cetera, and hopefully we can capitalise on that. Yeah, can we be sure, Crags, about what we're going to get from Rangers on Sunday, whether or not uh, they have a new manager in place? Because when uh, when a change happens at the top like this, you, you can never be sure how it's going to impact. No, you can't, but, you know, really you should be trusting those players. The thing is, are they good enough? Yes. Have they beat Hibs before? Yes, they have. Uh, you know, if you, if you laid the two squads together or two starting 11s, the majority would pick Rangers if you had a chance of being in charge of one because they've got a higher quality of player. Uh, and that's not being disrespect for Hibs. That's just a fact. That's the fact. So Rangers have got better players than what Hibs have. So it, the players can't use not having a manager as an excuse or just having a manager in for a couple of days. Individually and collectively, they've shown they're good enough to go and win games and win games at Hamden Park. So... Uh, they should be overwhelming favourites irrespective of whether they have a manager or whether they don't. I think it's easy to turn around and say, well, well, that's not what we normally do. That's what he said. Go and do your job. That's what you have to do. Don't worry about what's going on before. You have a job as an individual to go and impact the game and affect the game. And if enough Rangers players do that and they're on point, they'll be hard to stop. Hibs will know that. So Hibs will hope that they're off colour a little bit. Some of their players are maybe you know, kind of knocks from international duty or the form's not good. Whatever it may be, Hibs will have to make sure Rangers have a bit of an off day and they can play above themselves. They'll have to raise their levels, Hibs, from what they have done in the past four or five weeks. Because if they play the way they've been playing, Rangers will win. We've spoken already uh, about Ryan Jack possibly coming back onto the international scene, having just edged back into the into the Rangers first team scene again after I think what was it eight or nine months uh, he was he was out injured. And the other Ryan Kent is back, and he's back with a bang, isn't he? Made an impact in Europe. He scored that cracking goal uh, before the international break. And, and he is such a big player because Rangers don't really have anyone else, Marv, that, that can do specifically what he does. Yeah, there's not many players that can do what he does in the UK, you know, let alone at just at one football club. And I think he was suffering slightly from burnout. You know, I think the injury, as weird as it sounds, I think it was a blessing in disguise for him because he got to rest up for a bit. And like you said, he's came back with a bang now. And, you know, having a player like him where you can give him the ball and things might not be going your way and he can create something out of nothing. You know, he really is a magical player. 
You know, when he is in full flow, as I said, Rangers give him the ball and let him do what he needs to do. He creates, he scores goals. As you said, he scored a wonderful goal uh, before the international break there. And, you know, his will be trying to keep him quiet. You need to keep him quiet on Sunday, you know, but you keep him quiet and you've got Arebo. You've got, you've got other players that can do different things. You've got Davis who controls the game. You know, moves around like an 18-year-old. I cannot believe that he's still playing to the levels he is playing, how often he is playing international football as well. Mm. And he's a Rolls-Royce of a player. Honestly, I, I love watching him play. Mm. And it's weird for me to say that. I think he's only a year older than me. But to see what he's doing week in, week out, you know, he really conducts everything good about Rangers when it goes from, you know, building from the back and playing forward to those attacking players. Because without him in the team, you know, none of the rest of it works. Celtic uh, will be looking on with interest at the moment and, and hoping that a, a change of manager after three and a half years of Steven Gerrard might just make a difference, might make Rangers falter a little and they might be ready to pounce. Yeah, certainly over the next two or three weeks, if there's a little bit of disruption, if the manager's trying to get his thoughts across and players are trying to take it on board and they're doing a lot of tactical stuff, Celtic will hope to capitalise. If Rangers take the foot off the gas or the performance levels drop or things don't go according to plan... Celtic are waiting to capitalise. Well, I had they've won seven of the last eight games. The only draw was against that Livingston team who put thirty-eight men behind the ball. <laughs> <at Celtic Park>. <laughs> <laughs> including including the assistant manager. Uh, the only one who was missing was Mark that day, actually. <laughs> but no, that's the only game they haven't won. You know, so they're in a really rich vein of form. Their attacking players are looking a threat. There's real cohesion in the front line with Jota and Abada and, and Furuhashi. Um with David Turnbull in behind, Callum McGregor playing up one, Beaton playing behind. So it was a real feel-good factor about Celtic. You'll be thinking, if there's a time for us to capitalise and really crank up the pressure, it's got to be the next four or five weeks. I think after this weekend, four of Celtic's next six games are at home. And that's where they've been really strong this year. That's where they really went and battered some teams. I mean, they beat Dundee six, they beat St Mirren six. Okay, they only got a draw with Livingston, but they've been free-flowing at home. They've really been hard to play against and hard to stop. So this next four or five weeks could be a real defining period, not just for the cup competition, but in what direction the league could go in. Yeah, and when we speak about the two Ryans, Kent and Jack, uh, back on the scene for Rangers, you look at James Forrest becoming more and more of a factor now in the in the Celtic squad. Mikey Johnston uh, coming back in and looking as he as if he could play a part. There's there's going to be serious competition for those attacking places, and of course we're we're, we're getting ever closer to January as well. At which point you would imagine Celtic will make another dive into the transfer market. Yeah, most definitely. But you want competition for places. You know, I think it was a Dundee game. We saw Mikey Johnston and Forrest both come on. And for a full, but that's the last thing you want to see. Yeah. You know, you've, you've tied out because you've been playing against Jota and Abada. And then these two come on, you just think, come on, play the final whistle, ref. But it's true, this is exactly what they need. You know, they need competition for places. James Forrest is a magnificent player, you know, genuine pace. And that scares any defence, you know. And you've got Mikey Johnson, again, another young player coming through who's had his problem with injuries, but I think he's going to have a top, top career. You know, change of direction. He almost reminds me of other Ryan Kent type, you know, where he, he's chopping and changing in terms of his direction. He's trying to create things. He's always positive, you know, when it comes to going forward. And like you said, I think Celtic will look in the in the transfer market to maybe add one or two players. But I think that might be in the fullback areas more than, you know, attacking areas. Ange Postacoglu has been urging uh, patience to be shown towards a couple of players, James McCarthy um, and Georgios Giacomakis, um, who... You know, has, has shown little flashes of what he's capable of, of Craig's, but uh, he doesn't maybe look so far like a, a guy who was top scorer in the Dutch top flight last season for a team that got relegated. He's playing catch-up, that's why. You know, he came in the summer when his transfer eventually went through. The chat we heard was he hadn't done a pre-season anywhere. So you miss out in pre-season. Celtic are in full flow, real fluency with the front three. They've got a, a, a style of play which is obvious to the eye. It's quick movements. Derek runs in behind... Jack and Marcus doesn't suit that. 
you know, he's more of the, the cross in the final third, probably to play against packed defences late in the game. If Celtic are having to chase a game down, he seems that kind of figure that will come on. And with regards to James McCarthy, I can't see where he's going to play. Mm. Because near Beaton, in current form, is better than him. Once Tom Rogic comes back, Callum McGregor plays deeper, he's better than him. David Turnbull's in, in better form than him. And it's the same as Jakimakis. You know, I can't see him getting ahead of Kyogo at any time. He may have to rotate now and again games at Celtic Park just to try and freshen up some legs and, and give people a rest. But, you know, have either of them done enough to establish himself as a first-team player at Celtic in this moment in time? They haven't. So, as much as the manager's trying to protect him, he's almost putting the onus onto the players to say, you have to go and show me. And it's not just the 10, 15 minutes you get on a Saturday. It's every single day during the week. You've got to convince me you're ready to go and play on my team. Your level of uh, performance and training has to say, yeah, I'm ready to go and play. And at this moment in time, there's an awful lot of players that are ahead of the two of them. Is it a Celtic Rangers Premier Sports Cup final, Marv? That's what you're hoping for, isn't it? No, no. <laughs> no I'm just asking the question. Um, no, I think it'd be disrespectful to, to St. Johnson with the record they've had at Hamden of recent, obviously, you know, winning the, the both cups last season. And Hibbs, you know, they're, they're all Premier League teams. And as we showed against Celtic, we went, managed to go out and keep a clean sheet. So if you can do that, you know, then nick a goal at the, at the other end. It's, it's a 90-minute game, you know, it's a cup competition. Um, so, yeah, I... I Listen, I think you make Celtic and Rangers definitely favourites to go through, but is it a foregone conclusion? No, I don't think so. It should be. Let's be yeah. honest. You know, when we're sitting looking at now and you look, mm. talk about resources and budgets and quality of yeah. player and size of squad, it should be. But that's the thing we love about Scottish football. It's never straightforward. It's never just as simple as what you think it's going to be. There's always a little upset somewhere along the line. So one of the two teams will have a tougher weekend than the other. I'm not too sure which way around it's going to be, <laughs> but I don't imagine it will be simply, you know, two, two or four wins, three or four nil. I think it'll be a lot closer than what some people expect. Anyway, the big game is in Paisley at the weekend, Marv, isn't exactly. it? <laughs> yeah, no, a massive game for us. You know, we've been on a good run of form. Um, unfortunately, we've obviously had to miss a game against Hibs due to them having a COVID problem. And when you're on a good run, you don't want the games to stop. You know, mm. we knew the international game uh, break was coming up, rather. But on the Monday or the Tuesday, we knew that Hibs were playing on the Wednesday against Ross County. And then that's on the Saturday, which gave us a greater chance because they didn't have a lot of time to recover. You know, they had to go up to Dingwall and then come back. And then obviously the games were called off. So it was very disappointing for the boys. They were chomping at the bit to play. We had to slightly adjust training and et cetera. We've not had a game for a longer period of time now, but that's no excuse. You know, we go into Saturday's game. Again, we'll defend well and, and hope to nick something at the other end. Closing thoughts from Stevie Clark with that playoff draw 10 days away. It was important for us. We felt it was important that we, we tried to get the, the win that would secure the, the home playoff in the, the first leg. We have to wait and see what the draw is and, and who we get. But six, six wins in a row. Now we're going to, unfortunately for me, we're going to a big, long four-month winter hibernation. But it means that everybody can come back here in March and in a good frame of mind. And if the team can pick up where they're left off, then we'll be OK. Can the rise and rise crags of the national team spark um, a similar in the club game in Scotland? We love it. We love watching it. It's competitive. Um, it's a great league at the moment. But look at the TV deal. Look at the sponsorship the level of the sponsorship deals can... How does that change? Well, it's clearly finance all round. You know, yes, you'd like to hope that the that the influence of the national team inspires the players to push themselves a little bit more in club football so they can try and get into the national team. With regards to finances, I think that's a longer-term deal. There's no doubt about it that TV deals and sponsorship deals, the people in charge of these things have to try and do what's best for the whole game, not just for themselves or for one or two clubs. And until that changes, it will always be this way. What do you think, Marv? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, it's, you can't see where it's heading, but I agree with Craig's 
100% for the first time tonight, Craigs. I agree yeah. with you 100%, mate. Yeah, must be the only person in here. <laughs> Knew it was going to happen eventually. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot to Marv. Thanks a lot to Craigs as well for joining us on the show for the Scotland loving, um, which is what, uh, in the main part, it has been. But, of course, as the week goes on on the show, we will be edging further and further towards the return of club football at the weekend. Uh, those two League Cup semi-finals, Celtic against St. Johnston, is Saturday Rangers against Hibs is Sunday and you would imagine we're going to get some news out of Ibrox in the next couple of days about a replacement for Steven Gerrard. It seems as if it's going to be Giovanni van Bronckhorst. We will know, you would imagine, very soon indeed. Those Premiership games on Saturday, Dundee United against Aberdeen, Motherwell play Hearts and of course Marv's Livingston are in Paisley to play St. Mirren. That's it uh, from the show for tonight. Paul is back tomorrow with Barry Ferguson and Mark Guidi live at five. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.